Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. My hope is that you don't look back on uh, 2020 and say, oh, I'm glad that year's over. I'm glad that that's done. Uh, because there's going to be a 2021 and there's going to be a 2022, meaning that there's going to be difficulties that we face in our lives every year. And I think many of you have been able to leverage by God's power, leverage what 2020 has been, and God has done some pretty amazing things in your life. He's taught you things that you wouldn't have learned any other way. (laughs) That my hope is that you don't forget the things that God has taught you this year, maybe the habits that you've begun, uh, maybe the things that you have gone through, that you won't forget those things. Because regardless how you feel today, God is at work. That God is using these things to change you, to transform you, to to take you to a place of Christ-likeness, to take you to a place toward Christ if you don't know Jesus, that he's using all these things for those purposes. And what we've learned in this year, I hope, what we've learned in this year is to trust that it's not something that you would necessarily choose, but it's something that God is going to use in your life. And so today, my hope for you and my prayer for you is that you would be able to take a breath, relax, uh, because a lot of the stuff, I see that, Nancy, I see you out there. (sighs) Because a lot of things we're going to talk about today, you're going to be like, wow, this is earth shattering, this is so new. But my hope is the things that we do talk about will remind you of who we are, remind you of who you should be but also be highly practical in what 2020 will look like as you move forward. Because it's easy for us to kind of lose track, get off track, lose sight. Uh, Yeah, we're supposed to be about this, but I get so caught up in my life that I forget about what God wants to do in and through me. My hope and my prayer for you is that in 2020, you will look more like Jesus than you did in 2020. 2021, I'll get them all right. My hope is that this year you'll look more and more like Jesus than you did last year. Because the reality is, you're not allowed to take a vacation day from following Jesus. Uh, That I've learned, and I know that you have learned, that either you're growing toward Christ or you're growing away. It doesn't mean like you should freak out. What I'm saying is that we we don't get to take the days off and say, you know what, I read enough Bible, I'm good for right now. I've spent enough time with Jesus. Imagine telling your spouse that. Hey, I've seen you, I mean, maybe you have said this in this season, but you know, I've seen you enough but that I would keep investing in my relationship with God. I would keep drawing close to him. Keep saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you want to do in me and through me, that's that's what I want. You don't get to take the days off. Uh, May we all be committed to these things that we talk about as a church, uh, that we are really about loving God, loving people, and making disciples. That's the whole message right there. And some of you say, yeah, we've heard this. Good. (laughs) I hope that you get tired of hearing it, and at the point of getting tired of hearing it, you'll say, and I'm going to start doing it. Because God wants to work in you and through you for his glory. And if we can distill it all down to what we should be about as a church corporately and really as the church individually, is this is what we're supposed to be doing. And it may seem very simple, but to walk it out is pretty complicated. It's pretty involved, but it really involves all of our lives. And we base this on on two verses. Uh, One of them is in Matthew 22. And Jesus said to him, because they said, well, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
that Jesus basically took all the commandments and all the law and distilled it down and says, really, it's about loving God and it's about loving people. And if you've been around Northampton any length of time, we don't do these things so that God will accept us. We don't do these things so that God will love us. God loves us. God has done everything to be with us, to reach out to us in Christ, that, that what we see in Jesus is God's love for us. That we do these things in a, really a response, a reflection of like, God, you are so worthy. What's this known as? The great, the great bunch of words. The great commandment. Good. Look at that. You get a gold star for today. That's known as a great commandment, that I would love God and that I would love others. I would love people. The other one that we look at is Jesus says as he's getting ready to leave this world. He says, go therefore, or as you are going, make disciples of all nations. And one of the things that we need to point out here is we often will say this. We equate making disciples with getting people, hey, just get saved, pray a prayer, like just do this. And we kind of stop there. We're going to talk more about this today. And, and some of you say, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I want you to be reminded of this, that when we talk about making disciples, what we're talking about is helping people to get from infants in Christ to growing to be disciple makers, to being parents themselves. And so that's the end game. That if we could lay all the cards on the table, we're doing it this morning because this is what we should be about as a church and this is what we should be about as individuals. Jesus says, as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So if the first one was the great commandment, this is the great, and sometimes people say it's the great omission, right? We forget about doing it, but we need to be about doing it. This is what our lives are about. There is no other higher calling in our lives as people who follow Jesus that this is what it's about. And it's not about getting notches in your belt and like, yep, I got three people saved today. It's none of that. It's like living my life in such a way that I reflect the gospel, that I reflect the love of God, that people understand what it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And this is on these two passages, on these two things. We built our, build our church. We build our lives on these things. That if you're going to do anything as a follower of Jesus, that you would do these things. And not do them like, okay, today I'm going to try really hard and do them. And I know sometimes, even in meetings, we talk about semantics and we'll say, you know, I'm going to try really hard to do these things. I think it's probably a little more than semantics because we get into this performance trap or we get into this idea that I am going to do this today. I am going to try harder. And I know that we can, we can have a cup of coffee and be like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. But that's what we say because we get into this mindset, well, I'm going to do this. When really we should be saying, God, if I'm going to reflect your heart, if I'm going to love you like I should, if I'm going to love people like I should, if I'm going to make disciples, it's going to be because of your power in me. It makes it so much more about God, which it is anyway, isn't it? I mean, it's not, I'm so good and I'm so powerful, it's really about God working through me. God, that person at work that needs to see the love of Christ, use me to make that happen. I'm getting ready to have this conversation with this person and I know it's going to go to spiritual things or you realize it's happening in this moment. God, give me the words to speak because I don't have them. God, change their heart. Change my heart. We would make it about God's power in us and not about our power trying to do anything because I can't change somebody's heart. You know, I say I can't argue people into the kingdom, and when I, when I say that, I don't mean that we shouldn't be able to dialogue about those things, but I, I don't think it's my job to say, now listen here, pray this prayer so you don't go to hell, because that's not what I see Jesus doing. I see Jesus meeting people where they are and loving them where they are. 
but speaking the truth, living the truth. We see that through the New Testament. We see that through Scripture. That my life should look different because of what God is doing in me, and it should reflect to a world that needs to see it. It's not my job to, to change you, really. It's God's job, and God is the one that changes people's hearts, and it's your job to respond. So let me give you three commitments. I'm sure you can guess what they are. If you have a study guide, you can write these down. If you're online, uh, it's also in the Bible app, but uh, these are not going to be very difficult today. I told you it's going to be easy. So my encouragement to you, as you think about your life in 2021, that you would commit to loving God. Loving God is about surrender. Loving God is about repentance. Loving God is really about my heart and my focus on him. And really what it means, if we can summarize it this way, that loving God really means all that I am all the time. It doesn't mean just showing up on Sunday and like, I sang three songs, so I worship God. Worship is so much bigger than the songs that we sing. It is, it is the songs that we sing, but it's so much more than the songs that we sing. It's my life as a reflection of my love for the Lord. That I might be able to come in and sing songs with a heart that's not focused on God and, and go out and, 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 and just not reflect the love of God. But I, I worship. No, you're not worshiping. Your worship comes from your heart and from what God has done and doing in you. That, that my, how I treat people around me, how I love God, how I make the decisions I make can all be a reflection of my worship for him. That it would be all that I am all the time. And it really begins as I surrender my life to Christ. I mean, we talk about the gospel all the time. <laughs> And we should talk about the gospel all the time because it's the most important thing. And sometimes, as you see, if you've been in our prayer and share on Sunday mornings and, and other times you've read through Titus, we're going through Galatians, that, that you see churches that, that get off of that, that, that here's the gospel. We're like, yeah, but it's kind of this too. And understanding that it's, it's by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. It's not about what I have done. It's all about what Jesus has done and, and him and my faith in him. that's how my life has changed. That's how my eternity has changed. That's how I'm being forgiven. That's how I'm adopted as a son of God, as a daughter of God, is because of what Christ has done in my faith in him. That I trust him as Savior, and I follow him as Lord. And I really believe that it's not just one of those things. I think sometimes we say, yeah, just trust in Jesus. And I understand it. You can look at scripture that talks about, if you confess with your mouth, not that, not that one, uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10, uh, that, yeah, I was right, wasn't I? Yeah, but it's more than that. It's more than just saying, I believe those things, but that my life should reflect that, should reflect the decision that I've made, to reflect the, the heart that I say, yes, I'm trusting in Jesus, and because I'm trusting in Jesus, God, you are changing me so that my life reflects that I'm trusting in you. It doesn't mean that I'm doing it perfectly. It doesn't mean that I've got it all together. It doesn't mean I have all the answers, but I'm trusting in the truth of who Christ is and my faith in him to be justified, to be forgiven, to be free that my life should look different. My love for God should look different. My love for people should look different, should reflect the heart of God. That it's really about trusting Him as Savior and obeying Him and following Him as Lord. Loving God means that I worship Him solely, which is not very easy to do in our culture because we have a lot of things vying for our, our attention, don't we? From the latest gadgets to social media to people in our, in our culture, there's a lot of things that we want, and even ourselves, we look in the mirror and we worship ourselves, or we worship safety, 
or we worship security. We worship these things. And, and whether we agree with or like to agree with that or not, that's what we do because we, we put those things as, as gods in our lives. So as long as I'm safe, I will trust God. <laughs> what if God takes it all away? It means abiding in him entirely. It means obeying him completely. And practically that my life should reflect a heart to worship the Lord by his power. Look at these verses. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, this is Romans 12, 1, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship, that I, I surrender all that I am as worship to him, that I begin at the cross and I trust him as Savior and I'm following him as Lord by his power, that God saves me by his power and I walk in obedience by his power. It's all about God. That I present myself, that I surrender myself, God, whatever you want. God, use me. As we said probably more times than I can remember, <laughs> the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar, that we need to get on the altar and we need to stay there and say, God, whatever you want. Because what happens is, is we say, God, whatever you want, especially in difficult times, and then when good times come, we're like, God, we got this. <laughs> we'll let you know when we need you. Oh, God, I want what you want for my life, even in the good times, even when things are going great. God, I want what you want for my life. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, does that cover pretty much everything in your life? I mean, whatever it does. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 is very much like that. So whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That the decisions that you make, the places that you go, the investments of time and money and energy that you make should all be for the glory of God. How do I love God in 2020? I look at my calendar. I look at my interactions. I look at the, the way that I say, okay, I got so much time today to invest. How am I investing it? God, give me the strength to do that. God, give me the wisdom to know whether to choose this or that. Because when I say yes to this, I'm really saying no to that. God, help me to choose what's best. And in all that I do, whether I'm playing a sport, whether I'm sitting at a desk, whether I'm walking my dog, may I do it for the glory of God. May you be honored in my conversations. Help me to always have that in my mind to, to bring you honor, to bring you glory in the difficult times, in the everyday times, all the time. And so my question to you, as you think about being practical and you're looking at your study guide, I know that you're all taking copious notes. But this is where the rubber meets the road, that when you look at 2020, when you look at loving God, how will you, by God's power, love him more this year than you did last year? What do you need to say no to this year that you didn't say no to last year? What do you need to invest in to take that time that maybe, and, and I'll tell you, social media is probably one of the biggest time stealers in our lives. You pick up your phone, you're like, uh, what's going on? Who's To say, I'm going to not take that, that time, or I'm going to cut that time in half. I mean, it's, I get it that it's important and we connect with people. It's, I'm not saying it's evil. I'm just saying that sometimes we, we take this big block of time to mindlessly scroll through something and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to half that. I'm going to quarter that, and I'm going to spend that time with the Lord. I'm going to honor him with this time. Now, I can honor him on social media, and I need to, because I should do whatever I do, should bring him honor and glory. But what, would, what do you need to surrender in your life today 
even if it's safety. And I know that sounds weird because it, it rubs against wrongly. It pushes back pretty hard to say, like, don't pray for safety. You, you say that statement and you're like, that doesn't sound right. Because we always pray, God, give us traveling mercies, right? We use that phrase. Uh, God, keep us safe. God, keep my family safe. I'm not against safety. (laughs) But I do push back and want to push back even in my own life. God, don't let me put safety above you. Because sometimes God wants to teach us something in the the garbage in our lives that we're not maybe willing to learn because God will use. I think, and we talked about this this morning, but I go back to Mark chapter 4, and this is something that we, that we struggle with with God. That the disciples are in the boat with Jesus, and there's a storm, and they say this phrase that we say to God all the time, especially in difficult times, especially in the storms of our lives. God, don't you care? God, don't you see what's going on in my life right now? Don't you care? And as God begins to change our perspective, yeah, I do care. And I know all about the storm. Actually, I'm in the storm with you, and it's going to be okay. You need to trust me. And see what God does as you look at the storm in a different perspective that, yeah, God, you're going to use this somehow. It's not something I would choose. It's something that you're going to use. I mean, what are some things that you need to do in your life this year that you weren't doing last year that's going to reflect a heart to love God? And it may be saying, God, I, of course you know that I want to be safe. Of course you know that I don't want bad things to happen. But God, help me to see whatever happens in my life, you're going to use it for my good and for your glory. Help me to trust you more. Pray for patience. It's okay. <laughs> patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Again, I'm not saying, man, let's go out and get punched in the face in 2021. What I'm saying is, though, that whatever happens, may we love God in the process. And so I would encourage you to make it personal. How will you love God this year by his power in your life? What will look different this year by God's power in your life? The second thing is that you would commit to loving people. I told you they're easy, but they're really difficult. Because Jesus said the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, because loving people means sacrifice. In order for me to love somebody else, it means I've got to take away from something I want to do for me. It means maybe going out of my way or, or using the resources that are entrusted to me, I'm using them to help somebody else, and it means sacrifice. How will you sacrifice for somebody else? What will you do to be the hands and feet of Jesus? It's loving God, loving others with the love that you've received from God. We talked about this last Sunday. That I would, I would receive God's love, but then use, really leverage that and use it in my life to love other people. And it's really about this, to do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You've heard the, story, the starfish story, and I'm sure I've told it once or seven times. But it's that same idea. I mean, if you've ever heard it, it's this guy, this older guy sees this kid far off on the beach, and he's, the tide has gone out, and all the starfish are just covering the beach, and he's tossing one in at a time and the old man gets up to the young boy and he's like you know what are you doing you you can't possibly make a difference like this beach is covered with starfish to that the boy bends down he picks up a starfish and he throws him back in the ocean he says it made a difference for that one (laughs) in our lives we can't do everything but we can do something and may we love people 
as a reflection of our love for God, that we would do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. And that we would do another one for somebody else. Because God will use you to make a difference in people's lives if you would just say, God, use me. That's the scariest prayer that you can pray. I understand that. Because that means that God's going to use you. And it may mean you're stepping out of your comfort zone. It may mean things are going to get really uncomfortable. It may mean that it's not going to go according to your plan. But God, use me. Jesus says that we need to love those inside the church. He says, a new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. That by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. That if people look, they come into the church, or they hear that you're a Christ follower, and you hate people that are Christ followers, they're going to be like, there's a problem. They come into a church, they come into a building where the church gathers, and they say, well, you really care about me, and you care about each other. That, that shouts something different. But we also need to love those outside of the church. That Paul says very clearly, it's not our job to judge those outside of the church, outside of faith in Christ. It's not our job to do that. We shouldn't expect people who don't follow Jesus to when they're not following Jesus. But we put that on people and we even walk in judgment of them. Like, oh, you're such a, and like, we may not say this, but we, we think of this, like, you, like, you're a heathen. <laughs> and a lot of times we're the bigger heathen and not loving them. May you be challenged this year to love people inside the church, but may you also be challenged this year to love people that don't look like you, that don't talk like you, that don't believe what you believe, that maybe even aggressively don't believe what you believe. And I don't, you know, this is one of those, those things, like over the last probably two weeks, uh, I'm on social media, and I'm on, like, TikTok, and, yeah, again, I'm a pretty big deal on TikTok, but I'm on those things, not because I want to break it big in TikTok, I'm on those things because that's where people are, that I'm friends with people that don't believe what I believe. I'm friends with people, and I don't get on there like, blah, blah, let me blast you, like, none of that. That gets you nowhere, number one. (laughs) That just confirms what they already think about you. If you get on there and you don't show them, you don't love them, you don't care about people, they're like, yep, I knew that about you already. But that you really love people. And you reach out to them and you be the hands and feet of Jesus. That you push back against those things that they think they thought they knew about you. But things that you begin to see, that I begin to see, that begin to rise to the top of like, okay, this is where people are. We've got to stop thinking like we're going to reach people the way that we reached them 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We're not on dial-up anymore. We're not in little chat rooms anymore. Like, we're, like, life is different. And we need to be willing to do the things that it takes to love people and to reach people right where they are. It's easy for us to do what we've always done because we're comfortable with that, right? We're comfortable like, hey, I know how to do that. I did that in the 80s. It's good. But the problem is, is that we're speaking Spanish and they're trying to speak French and like, I don't know whatever, I don't even know that phrase anyway. Like, they don't understand. 
And we're not really showing a very loving attitude. We're like, yes, 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 I love you, but let, let, you got to talk my language. you got to do what I do. you gotta, you got to meet me where I'm at as opposed to us meeting them where they are. I don't see Jesus doing that. I see, what I see Jesus is him breaking through all the social norms and showing up at a well to talk to a woman that, that they definitely didn't, like the, the cultures didn't agree, but that's where he was. How are you willing to step out of your comfort zone to love people right where they are? What are you willing to do by God's power to show the love of God in your spheres of influence? You live in a neighborhood somewhere. There are people around you that don't know Jesus. How will you show the love of God this year? How will you represent Christ this year? And I keep going back to by God's power, by God's power, by God's power, because that's where it's at. God, use me in my neighborhoods, in my spheres of influence, at the gym, at the grocery store, the places that I go to all the time. God, use me to love them. But I will say that we need to love them and ultimately speak the truth and live the truth. We're, we're becoming a culture of affirmation. <laughs> oh, you, you want to identify as a puppy? You know what? You are a puppy. We still love people that are there. We better love people that are there, but at some point we need to speak the truth. We love them where they are, but we, we talk to them about Jesus. We share them about the hope that is in Christ. It is not our job to make them look like they follow Jesus before they follow Jesus. Let God change their hearts, but allow God to use you to love them. What will you commit to that will shout love to the people in your spheres of influence in 2021? How will you be intentional? I would encourage you, if you're not in a life group, to get in a life group. That's one way within the body that you can leave, get out of rows and sit in circles and care about other people within the body of Christ. But I also want Northampton, and we've talked about this for a number of years, and we've done stuff. I want us as a church to be known in this community. And not just in this community, but I think it's one of the things that I want to clarify real quick is that I think sometimes we, we look at reaching out as we come to this place and we do something and then we pull back and then we go home and we live our lives. I definitely want us to make an impact in our spheres of influence, that you live in a neighborhood, you live next to people that need to be impacted for the, the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God. And so we need to discover, find, call out ways that we can do that as families and as neighborhoods, but also how can we come together and make an impact so that when people drive by Northampton, they don't say, oh, where's your church? I drive by there. There are people, this is the truth. I don't often lie to you. The, the people that live in the neighborhood across the street that have no idea that we're here. That's a problem. And we do stuff to reach out, and I get it. The people are like, I get it. People are in their lives like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I want us to be able to make an impact, not for our, like, I don't want us to build our empire. I want us to build the kingdom. I want us to be part of the kingdom of God. I want us to make a difference. May we be committed as a church to not only do that in our homes, but to do that in places where we say, we're, gonna, we're not going to meet on a Sunday and we're going to go serve. <gasps> One of the things I wanted to do this year was to rent a booth on the riverfront during the things that never happened this year. 
and it's probably lonely at this time, but, but to do stuff like that, to, to, to get, like, it, a lot of those things, and I'll be done with this, but a lot of those things are like what church plants will do, like, they're coming together, and there's this energy of, like, we're coming, because you've got this, this explorer mentality, and what, you, what happens is, is you go from being, like, this explorer, and we're excited, we're going to do all these things to, to really reach the community, and we become settlers, that I want us to be part of a movement, not just building a monument. And it's easy for us to do that. It's easy for us to get comfortable and just like, here's our church. And if you want to come to our church, that's fine. I don't know. Did I go away? I feel like I was. Okay, there I am. I want us to be part of a movement that God is doing in this community and in the communities that you live in and not just be satisfied with, no, 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 we got our church and we're comfortable. And so may we be people who love people and I hope that you will write down something to say, this year, by God's power, I want to do this, to show love for people. The last thing is commit to making disciples. You know the Great Commission. We've already looked at it. It's actually in your notes, too. But as a Christ follower, I'm commanded to make disciples. And one of the things we look at, if you're part of, uh, if you've been through real-life discipleship, if you haven't been, trying to find easier ways to make it happen, because it's hard to do it in, in person right now because of COVID, but... Um, one of the things we look at is Matthew 4.19. Jesus says to follow me. I will make you fishers of men. In order to be a disciple maker, you need to be a disciple. And so when we say this, that I'm a follower of Jesus, Jesus says follow me. And so uh, are you a follower of Jesus? And this is one of those things that really is God has been like working on my heart over the last probably two weeks. Uh, the question that I would ask you is why do you follow Jesus? I mean, do you follow him because, well, that's how I grew up, or because he changed my life? or be, Like, you have answers to that. But do those answers, is that something that really stands up? Is that something that somebody would like, oh, no, no, let me just tell you this, and it pushes everything down that you've ever believed? Or do you follow Jesus because it's true? And my hope is that that's where we go to after the Gospel of John to really dig into those things, because I want us to be equipped, not to win an argument, but that you would know, I believe this, not because my mom, not because I grew up that way, not because, because it's true, because this is, this is the truth. And this is why I follow Jesus. And so are you a follower of Jesus? Are you trusting him as Savior? Are you, uh, are you following him, obeying him as Lord? That that's where you begin, is you're going to be a disciple maker, you have to be a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm being transformed by Jesus. That's all part of Matthew 4.19. As we've said many times, it's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering more. That as a follower of Jesus, there are things that you need to stop doing, start doing, not so that God will love you, not so that God will accept you because he loves you and accepts you, but because you want your life to reflect Christ. What we want to do, what I want us to do as a church, and I think many of you want to do, is you want to help lead people to Jesus. That we want people to take steps toward Christ. And those of you that are following Jesus, we want you to take steps toward Christ-likeness. And if we can do that, we're doing our job. We're helping people to become disciples who make disciples. I'm being transformed by Jesus. The last part is that I'm on mission with Jesus. And this is really being a parent, really being about making disciples. That's about five weeks of uh, uh, real-life discipleship in five seconds. So. But what will you do 
this year that will reflect a heart of being a disciple maker? What will you do to know Jesus and make him known? What will you do to educate yourself, to uh, maybe to grow in that? You know, I think about there's Bible reading. You know, what we, what we need to get past is this idea that I, I read the Bible so I can check it off the list. And, and probably many of you are there, but we kind of get into that rut, like I didn't read my Bible, so God's mad at me, or I didn't read my Bibles. I read my Bible so that I can connect with God more than I have when I didn't kind of thing. That I use, I use that time, whether it's reading or pray, prayer or worship or Bible memorization. I don't do those things just to do those things. I do those things in the process experience God in that. And so it's important that we don't, we don't look at that as the end of itself. Well, I read my Bible. I'm good, right? Now, God, in this one verse, I just, like, as I read that, just, have you ever done that, where you've read your Bible and you read one verse, I'm going to read this whole chapter, and you read the one verse, and it's like, God, I just need to talk to you about this. May that be your time with the Lord, where it's not just like, I read 14 chapters, look how spiritual I am. No, I read one verse, and God just, he just wrecked me. What will you commit to? Bible memorization, journaling. If you haven't haven't journaled, uh, you need to start journaling. Writing stuff down, uh, prayer, fasting. We don't talk about fasting a lot because we like to eat. I don't know, but we need to, like, it's serious. Like, we need to, to really get serious. And it's, it's interesting how God led us at the beginning of, at the end of 19 into 2020, uh, where the challenge was really committing to as leaders and as a church. I don't know if you remember this or not, but this is the history of it in like three seconds is that we said, we're going to start praying for our church and for each other at eight o'clock every night. We weren't making it a big deal. That's, that's what we're doing. And we already talked, I think it was at least one time, we were like, we're going to fast, or we're at least talking about that, but I know we fasted before. Uh, even as uh, the deacons were praying and we were fasting. And then we had, at the beginning of, 19, of 20, we had our 30, 40 days of prayer that rolled over into COVID. That I went back and I watched this this past, it was, I don't even know, 40 weeks ago, I think it was. The first time that I went live, and the reason that I went live for our prayer and share, which was not known as prayer and share, then the reason I went live was because at 8 o'clock every night we were committed to praying for each other. And I said, you know what, let's get together and let's do it like this. And it was so awkward, and our basement wasn't even redone, and so my wife's like, this can't happen anymore. So we got that done. But it began like that, and then for 73 more nights, we prayed together. And then after a break, now Jeff and Tom are on Thursday nights, and we're on Sunday mornings, and they all came out of this, we're going to meet, and we're just going to pray. And, and what we did was everybody set an alarm on their phone leading into it. At 8 o'clock, my alarm would go off, and I would just pray. And I knew that other people were praying at the same time. That grew into, we're just going to pray for each other, and we're going to share this all out in the open on social media. And we saw people from around the world come in and, and, and be a part of what God is doing Lives are being changed because we say, you know, we're going to start praying. And it was before COVID. Like, we weren't even, like, pressured into it. And God did, and is still doing, really awesome things in our lives. And so what do you need to start doing? Whether it's, you know what, I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast once a month. I'm going to just take a day where I go without so that I can really focus my prayer life. Maybe it's journaling. 
And it doesn't, don't get hung up on like, I got to do it every day. And it's like, if you're a blogger, <laughs> I know what your struggle is. You're like, I'm going to blog every day. And then it's like one time. And then four years later, like, man, I wonder what the blog's all about. Just start writing. Write down a prayer. God, thank you for today. This is my prayer for today. Uh, you know what I started doing, and I could show you, is I started writing out books of the Bible. And that sounds crazy. <laughs> but to sit there and write down, like I've done, I've done Titus, I'm almost done with Galatians, or vice versa. And just writing it down, word for word. I'm not saying that, but like, look how awesome. I'm saying just getting into the word and letting God's word get into you. What do you need to do? And maybe you commit this year, I'm going to read the Bible through. And I would encourage you to use an app like Read Scripture. We did that in 2018 as a church. A great app to use. Read Scripture. Check it out. Uh, it takes you through readings every day. But there's also videos that are, that sounds really ominous, but they're really good. And it's really helpful. So what do you need to do there? Point is, none of this stuff is new, at least if you've been in Northampton. May we walk these things out. May it not just be something that we put on a face mask. May it not be something that we put on our website, but may it be who we are. That we would love God, we would love people, and we would make disciples. And not just say those titles and say, look, this is what we're about, but in our lives we would do these things. And that you would talk to God and say, God, how, how can I walk this out today? How can 2020 look different? How can I love you more? How can I love people more? How can I make disciples? My prayer for you would be that you will not be in the same place today that you are a year from now. That we would constantly be walking toward Christ-likeness by his power.